Charlene's mom had begged her not to take a job. With her husband being one of the best Mercedes-Benz salesmen in the entire state, there was certainly no need. However, Charlene claimed that she needed more in her life than coordinating dinners and keeping their humble home spotless. So, she sent out resumes to offices all over the city, and before the week was up, she was hired for a switchboard operator position at the law offices of Harper, Kaufman, and Vinya. On her first day, the weather had that divine touch of mild that was enough to make New Yorkers forget the sky-high rent prices, the taxes, the dirty streets, the crowds, the urine smells, and the traffic, opting instead to just enjoy the signature scenic city aesthetics. Charlene drove into the underground parking structure, docked her Mercedes, and made the trek to the elevator with about as chipper a mood as could be. She then shuffled to the front desk of the bustling law firm and was quickly scooped up by her superior. After being briefed with the basics, Charlene was led to the switchboard room where she was immediately overwhelmed at how this working environment was somehow even more berserk than the main offices. The massive wires shooting in and out of the boards, sinking with the flashing lights and all but incomprehensible chatter flooded with legal terms was a sensory overload unlike she'd ever seen. Once seated at her station, she received the technical rundown, and by putting a bit of method to the madness, she calmed a bit and reset herself. When her supervisor finally concluded the instruction, Charlene placed her headset on and studied the switchboard, eagerly awaiting that first call. Fortunately, she did not have to wait long before a bulb lit up and her supervisor instructed her to give it a go. She hooked into the line and answered it according to the script, and upon learning the client needed to schedule an appointment with Ms. Vinya's secretary, she promptly transferred the call and received the proper praise for her successful first completion. The supervisor then left her to her own devices, and before she was even able to complete a wrist stretch, another lip bulb caught her eye. She locked in, and with the speed, accuracy, and agility of an elite martial artist, she connected the line and answered the call. Hello, law offices of Harper, Kaufman, and Vinya. How may I help you today? The voice on the other end breathed heavily, but didn't speak. This extended for so long that Charlene found it necessary to ask if anyone was there. Another brief pause and the voice quietly and raspily began. Hello. How are you? Charlene responded, Just dandy, thank you for asking. Who can I connect you with today? Another pause and he continued, You are located at 828 Madison Avenue. Is that correct? Charlene had by now confirmed that the fates saw fit to challenge her on her very first real call, and she would have to exercise patience and understanding with someone who was clearly a little slower than the standard client. She forced a smile that she hoped could be heard on the other side and confirmed that, yes, that was their address. On cue, a long pause followed, and just before Charlene was about to kindly rush him, he spoke. There's a bomb underneath you. We put it in the parking structure. Last night. He stopped for a moment as Charlene wondered to herself if she had heard him correctly. If you tell anyone, I'll set it off immediately. The line clicked and Charlene stood frozen. Unsure what to do, she tried to connect the line again, but found no luck. She attempted to calm herself by repeating in her head that it was obviously a prank, but the sweat building above her brow was not as easily convinced. 
Luckily, the light came back on and she answered it post-haste. Hello, who is this? She nearly screamed. The voice on the other end was, to say the least, surprised at the reaction and sheepishly asked to speak with Miss Harper's paralegal, Mr. Marine. After transferring the call, she dropped her headset and took an extended breath. She repeated to herself that she needed to get a grip and shake off what was obviously a pathetic attempt at a prank call. She backed a bit from her desk and couldn't help but peek over at her neighbor's stations. These ladies were consummate professionals, speaking with such power and grace. They whipped those lines around like virtuosas in a display of poise and synchronicity that could rival performances at the Lincoln Center. She regained her composure with a chuckle and wondering how many prank calls like that came through these telephone lines on a daily basis. She would surely have to ask these veterans in the next break. She even started to consider if this might be an initiation tactic. Having never worked a traditional corporate job before, she had no experience in such matters, but it seemed possible. Though they probably would have let her in on it by now, there was a chance they would continue it until she broke. Right as she was considering the protocol for a potential prank, the board lit up once more. She whipped her headset over her ears and connected the line in one movement. Still uneasy, she took a beat before addressing the caller, who initiated the conversation by asking with whom he was speaking. My name is Mrs. Kensworth. Is this the gentleman I was speaking with earlier? Your first name? Charlene. Did you tell anyone, Charlene? Here she looked over her shoulders to see if anyone was watching her and hopefully about to explain how this was all a harmless joke. Seeing her co-workers all swamp with their own calls, she responded and told the man that she had not. The voice waited a bit, breathing heavily back into the receiver. Have you heard of the Brotherhood of Christ First, Country First? Charlene had indeed. Everyone had heard of that far-right terrorist organization, which had been ramping up their intensity as the presidential election grew closer and more intense. They were an increasingly violent group that was dedicated to realigning the United States with the Christian nationalism ideology in direct opposition of the current trend towards more diverse spiritualities and globalist ideals. In fact, they were in the news recently because some members in the upstate chapter had attempted to kidnap a mayor, storming his residence with high-powered rifles and... explosives. Charlene replied that she had indeed heard of their consortium and then ventured to ask if he was a part of them. I'll call you back, was his response before once again the line clicked and he was lost. By this point, Charlene's hands were so unsteady that she could barely reach up to remove her headset. A fellow employee sauntered to her station, and she did her best to regulate herself as she prepared to be told that these past calls were all in jest, and having made it through, she was officially one of them. Sadly, this was not the case, and the woman instead handed her a lunch menu and told her that today's meal would be on the girls as a welcome gift. Though the idea of a free lunch and the thought behind it were nice enough, the jester also confirmed that the voice that had been pestering her was at the very least not a part of a company prank. Right as she started to rationalize that it could still be just a lonely, bored man with serious mental illness, the station next to her yelled out, Mrs. Kensworth, caller's asking for you. I'm sending it over. Charlene carefully reapplied her headset and under the confused stares of her co-workers, accepted the call. Do you have family, Charlene? Through light tears, she replied that she had her husband. How lonely. No brothers or sisters? Parents? My dad passed away a few years ago, but I still have my mom, she replied, trying her best not to break. And you're close, yes? Yes, very close. 
there was any other way, we wouldn't need to resort to such destruction. I'm sure you're aware of what this country has become. I won't go into needless detail. Time is precious. But after today, we should see some improvement. At the very least, more media coverage. Charlene now openly wept into her microphone and asked what he was going to do. The state has overstayed its welcome, but its people need not worry. We will reclaim the power, and your sacrifice will not be forgotten. She wept for him to please stop as she was unable to get past the incessant replays in her head of her mother's pleas for her to not seek employment. I ask only one more thing, Charlene. Call your mother. The invocation was so much that she shrieked, spreading the panic to her entire fleet, all of whom were now gathered around her station. Tell her what will happen. Tell her what we've accomplished. The line clicked once more, and before her fellow operators could receive any explanation for her hysteria, she made the last call, both she and the building at 828 Madison Avenue would ever finish. That was Charlene's Last Day, written, produced, and performed by me, Josh Ramirez. I hope you enjoyed our spooky October and all the horror stories, although I'm sure they'll be back next season. Speaking of, the finale is next. Every Monday in November, we'll have a chapter of Other People's Money, the story of a gambling addict who has now gone completely broken, has to go back home. So make sure you're subscribed for that and you let everybody you know so you can get every episode of that as we end the first season. And of course, my debut novel is available, Angie's Move. It's on Amazon right now. All the info is in the links below. If you want to read these stories on Wattpad, if you want to see the covers on Instagram at Company Time. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Monday.